This is Amateur Logic, episode 171, for July 15th, 2022. This episode of Amateur Logic is brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories, and by ICOM. Contest season is here. Keep your competitive edge with ICOM. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Amateur Logic. I'm George. I'm Tommy. <laughs> I'm Emil. And I'm Mike. So all I could do is not say I'm Dean Martin. <laughs> well, that would work, too. <laughs> I mean, you can hardly tell the two of you apart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tonight, it's all about field day. Well, mostly about field day. How's that? Mostly all. Yeah. And, you know, all of us did field day this year, which which was fun to be able to get out and do that. And we did things a little bit differently here. Uh, I think Mike probably did, too, an email. I don't know what he did yet. He's been real secretive about it. Why is that, email? Uh, no, no particular reason, George. Uh, just been uh, busy and dealing with the heat down here in the swamp. But uh, we did have a field day that was uh, productive and still doing some of the logs and all of that fun stuff, which you'll get to see a little bit later. Cool. Very cool. Mike, you, I don't know, you've got the microphone behind your head instead of in front of it there, but maybe we can <laughs> hear you. I don't quite have my... Whoops, wrong way. Hang on. Let me get the headset on. Whoops, a little too much. <laughs> that's that's harder to do than it looks, really. It looks yeah. like you got it on backwards. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, you want to tell us anything uh, at the top of the show here? What we'll be seeing later? Well, the first time I worked field day, uh, QRP and with an NFED antenna. So it's it's pretty it was pretty exciting for me this year. Um, I worked from home, but I was outside all the time, and I operated uh, solely solely on battery and solar power. Okay, I've never operated uh, with an NFED antenna, not on purpose anyway. Maybe you know when my dipole broke. But, uh, Okay, well, we look forward to seeing that. And, of course, Tommy and I did a field day together this year, and we didn't do it from the shack. And we didn't do it in a tent either. We didn't do it in a tent either. But it was still hot. Yeah, but it, it was pretty pleas- pretty pleasurable, though. It was a good experience. Yeah, it was. It was. It, it was, um, well, it's I'll probably just... the most pleasant one that we've done. That were where we weren't in the shack here. Yeah. 
Yeah. Other than setting up and tearing down, that doesn't really matter where you are. That's, yeah, that's that's not really yeah. a lot of fun. But yeah, but we'll see that a little bit. We had minimal gear this time, so compared to what we normally haul around. Yeah. Well, Tommy, there is something right here is just out of view of the camera. What it what is. do we have there tonight? We have a little pot of tea. Okay, and uh, a, a spot of tea. I think that probably that signifies a, that something. That was pretty horrible at uh, accent level. <laughs> this is at least as bad as mine. So, uh, have, have you got any tea? Anything you recommend? I've got some of this straight from uh, Jolly Old England. It's uh, from our friend Nigel. Yorkshire tea. Yorkshire tea. So, we're going to give that a try tonight. Well, I tell you what, why don't you go ahead and how many bags? Does Nigel uh, prescribe? One for each and then one for the pot. So we've got to put three in there. Okay. So I'll just go ahead and just drop them down in here. And we'll let them simmer there. There's our steep for about, oh, I don't know, about five minutes. And we'll come back and see what British tea tastes like. And one for the pot. Yeah, you're poking email in the eye there with the Sorry, box. Sorry, email. You get to try some of this good tea, too. Can you smell it? It's right there in front of you. Well, here we are, field day 2022, I guess. It's been like a time warp, man. What was it, like 2019, the last time we did one? I think it was. Wow. Uh, Last time we did one out somewhere, actually spending the night and working contacts. Uh, It's been longer than that. I think we did the other one at your place because it was rainy. Probably did, and it's not raining today, and we are at a transmitter site, an undisclosed transmitter site, with a small 1,000-foot tower behind us. Uh, We've got, well, one wire antenna hanging off of it anyway, but it's not very high off the ground, comparatively speaking. Now, we did not take advantage of the 1,000 feet. We've got another antenna. We'll, We'll show all these a little bit later. Uh, we got only got two antennas up this year of ours, not counting the other ones here. At this point, that's all that's subject to change. We we have a couple other antenna options with us. We just haven't strung out. Yeah, and we have been known to use them. Yeah, and we might. We might yet, depending on what the band does after a while. The weather's not too bad right now, but it got pretty toasty earlier. It was It was about 100 out here. No wind and super high humidity. Yeah, this is Saturday afternoon near, what's probably near 8 p.m. now? Yeah, actually, it's 7.56. 7.56. Well, uh, it's starting to get a little bit darker out here. Uh, but fortunately, this year, we're not in a tent trying to air condition it with a Visqueen extension. <laughs> we're actually in an air-conditioned transmitter building. And, uh, boy, it's nice. And I really appreciate uh, the friend who's letting us use it because mine is out here, too, but it's it's too noisy with the transmitter. We were in there earlier. Yeah, this is really nice. It's, it's uh, It was actually kind of cold in there a little while ago. I had to turn the air to a little bit warmer. So, But uh, we did not have that problem before. Yeah, you will not hear us say that very often. No, but I'm appreciative of them letting us use this as well. It's really uh, nice. Plus, we we get to do field day the whole weekend. 
whereas we were only going to go to the park for a few hours, or basically for the daylight hours, because they make you leave. Um, so this it's worked out really well. Yeah, we'll be able to spend the whole event out here. We're a little late getting started today. Uh, we weren't. That's how we roll. That, that's the way we do it. We that's the way we prefer it, I guess. Uh, let's see. We had the antennas up maybe by a little after two. Yeah. And we got on the air, I guess, around three. Right on time. Right on the schedule we usually do. And we made a contact, and then we stopped and ate ribs with a friend who, who well, W5PPB dropped by and saw us, and uh, yeah, so we, we've got a few more in the book now. The bands are looking better. The antennas seem to be performing much better than they were earlier this afternoon. Yeah, and those ribs, uh, that was very appreciative. He brought those by here for us, and uh, really a really nice thing for him to do. They were, they were quite tasty. It was worth taking a break. They were very good. And, well, uh, you know, this is the first time we've actually, I think, had cooked food at a field day. Yeah, not on our own. Uh, we did not bring it, no. but we didn't turn it down either. No, but we've got some ham sandwiches in there in case we get hungry later on. But right now, uh, I'm still feeling the ribs, man. Bugs are not too bad. We're out in the middle of of nowhere on a tall hill. And we actually have internet out here this year. Well, I've got a, a, a Viasat satellite back here on top of transmitter building. It's providing us with internet, although we're not really using it for anything. And so far, everything seems to be working. We'll have to take some shots inside after a while to look at our stations. I had some initial problems, but they kind of settled down now. Yeah, the stations are a little bit different this year, so... Uh, a lot of the previous uh, field day shows that we've done basically were the same gear over and over, but it's a little bit different this time. Yeah, it is. It is. We're both operating on battery power at the moment. We have plenty of generator power available, probably 150 kilowatts, should it come to that. Uh, we didn't bring the amplifier, though, so mm, I don't know that we'll fire up one of those. But anyway, um, having a fun time here. And I hope you are, too, or hope you did by the time you watch this. Yep, same here. Well, let's, uh, let's go in and make a few more contacts, and uh, we'll get some more video shortly. Yeah, and by the way, we are operating as Whiskey Alpha X-Ray Charlie. I got that right, didn't I? No, Whiskey 5 Alpha X-Ray Charlie. You dropped the 5. Well, after, you know, enough whiskey, it's kind of... It's kind of hard to remember. Well, we're not having any whiskey. Yeah, that's our club call sign. We haven't really talked about it much yet, but it's a, a just a small club we started here because uh, we're going to put a repeater on the air, and we needed a, a good club call for it. Yeah, so stay tuned for that repeater project. That should be coming up pretty soon. And that's our opening video from field day this year, where we were. It's a better site, definitely. Oh yeah, and you could you could tell uh, the conditions were better because we weren't ringing wet with sweat. True, yeah, and that was a thousand foot tower behind us, and yes, I did climb it so we could hang antennas off of it, but probably what only thirty five or forty feet, something like that. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it it was a lot of fun. I don't, I, I don't think that. Uh... A thousand foot towers in the budget. I don't. I don't know. 
I wasn't paying. We weren't paying for it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. It was it was a nice place. Uh, you'll you'll see a little bit more of it in a little bit. Yeah, Tommy, I think that tea has been in the pot there for about five minutes. What do you say we have a spot? Okay. I think it's ready. Yeah, it's not crystal clear anymore. Thank you. Or I don't have a good proper British saying. Well, we'll have to get Nigel to help us out with that. Yeah, is Nigel in the, there? He is. Yeah, he's in there. Okay. Um, is it too hot to drink? What do you think? I don't think so. That's pretty good. Kind of tastes like the regular tea we get over here, but it's a little bit, maybe a little stronger. Maybe, maybe. a little stronger. It's a little different. I normally drink. It's just a little bit of a different aftertaste to it. For a regular tea, I drink Lipton. Uh-huh. This is a little, sort of in that vein, but I guess more British. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty good, though. Thanks for sending it, Nigel. We yeah. really appreciate that. I, uh, at home, we usually get the Louisiana tea. Yeah. Now you're talking. That's what I figured. You'd, I'd get your attention. <laughs> it, it wasn't cheap. Uh, <laughs> nope. Thanks. Hmm. Okay. Uh, we got just one more little quick video. You know, we operated from inside an air-conditioned building. But we did have to get outside and sweat a little bit to get things set up and going. And a little bit. Yeah, it was so hot outside. How hot was it? It was so hot <laughs> that we really got into high gear when we were setting up the antennas. Well, it wouldn't have to be out there any longer than we had to. I just kept waiting for the laundry to show up and be put on the line. <laughs> I tell you what, if we hadn't had those ropes, there would have been a real catastrophe. It was, yeah, it was. It was starting to get a little bit off center. You might notice in one spot it just jerks all of a sudden. Um, yeah. So 
Yeah, yeah. We, we didn't get the video of putting the other one up. We have one more antenna, too. We'll talk about that a little bit. Did we even have any pictures of the other one? Uh, no, because it was kind of long. We just didn't have it. It didn't work out. Okay. So the other an- that was a MFJ cobweb antenna there. And the other antenna was a W5GI mystery antenna. I used it at field day. Oh, a good many years back when we did it from the old church one year. And it looks sort of like a G5 RV, except it's, it's made a little different. The, instead of just wire across the top, it goes wire a little ways. Then it goes to, I believe it's RG59 coax for a little ways and then back to wire. I guess they're using the the RG58 as some type of capacitor, but um, it's very different design. Regardless, uh, that's the one that was hooked on the side of the tower, and the other end of it was thrown over a tree. I couldn't get him to. I couldn't get him to go up there and put the cobweb on the top of the tower. No, well, you know the um, FM was on up there, and uh, I just didn't want to. Didn't think it'd be proper to pull that thing through a 100 kW field <laughs> to mount it on top of the tower. That's the only thing that was holding me back, though. Uh-huh. <laughs> you did notice, Mike, that the uh, abilities to uh, warp time are still there from the Conspiracy episodes? Yeah, they didn't lose power this time, though. Uh- <laughs> Remember last time? Yeah. <laughs> no, they were. The- the nuclear generator failed? Yeah. Is there enough RF floating around from the transmitter to light up a fluorescent uh, tube on its own? Um, not on the ground, no. Okay. Uh, it's, you know, the antenna's 1,000 foot in the air, and those are made uh, to kind of go out from the tower, not come straight down. Right. The, the early FM transmitter antennas... Oh, sorry, it's not an AM site. I forgot. No. No, not with a thousand foot tower, but uh, yeah, it's yeah, the it goes out a ways, and, and you know that's how you get hundred thousand watts. Uh, the transmitter is only twenty five kilowatts, but by <laughs> by uh, you know the gain of the antenna, it's effective radiative power of a hundred thousand right. horizontal and vertical. So. Uh, I have worked before at the uh, first station I worked at, the antenna was only 200 feet off the ground. Hmm. And, yes, yeah, sometimes you would turn the lights off in the building and they they stayed home. <laughs> so, the early FM antennas, yeah, they had a lot coming straight back down, not <laughs> not going out in the air where you wanted it. So, um, we... We've got some more video of that coming up here in a moment. I, Tommy, I skipped right over an important news item you had for us here at the first of the show tonight. Yeah, actually, it's uh, from the ARRL site. It says the FCC core systems to be retired. And actually, it's uh, prompt timing because it's today. The FCC was going to retire the legacy version of the Commission Registration System, or CORES, on July the 15th of this year, 2022, CORS is the FCC's public-facing database that enables and tracks certain types of FCC and FCC applicant actions. 
including amateur radio applications and licenses. Amateur applications and licenses be issued overnight instead of over weeks, so we're appreciative of that for sure. As was the case with the earlier methods, ARRL, the amateur radio community, to transition to the updated version of CORS as soon as possible. Uh, the new CORS, in addition to assigning individual FRNs, allows holders of multiple FRNs to aggregate them under a single account where licenses and authorization fees and payments can, and related actions can be administered from within the same account. So I, I, I renew my wife's. So hers is kind of tied in with mine, with my FRN. But I, I went on the, the other night when I found this, and I went ahead and set mine up. It's, it's pretty easy. If you go to the article on the ARRL site, there's some links there embedded in it. It'll take you right to where you need to go to set yourself up. Email, it sounds like it's all about the money. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure they have the budget at the FCC carrying out all of these uh uh, rules and enforcements and everything else that's going on. So uh, it probably is uh, about the money, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I guess I need to go ahead and do it too, since I've got my license and now our club license. Yeah. The, I don't know if we talked about it. Here's four of the charter members right here <laughs> of the Southern amateur radio experimenters club of, Ridgeland, Mississippi. Call sign W5AXC. Yep. And that's what Tommy and I operated as for field day this year. And speaking of that repeater project, which is the reason we decided, well, we decided we needed to form a club so we could get a call sign mm-hmm. since it's going to be a D-Star repeater. Um, we've got everything now. We just need to pick up the duplexers and make it all work. Yep. Yeah, we got everything set up. Well, everything is together. You just need to install the software and set it up. Yeah. So uh, hopefully, well, on next month's show, that'll be on the air. And we'll, yeah, hopefully we'll, it should be. We'll be operating and, and have a little footage on that. Mike, up there in the great white north, well, it's not <laughs> really white this time of year, is it? No, not at all. Y'all do field day too, don't you? Well, it's it's part of the American continent, so makes we sense. We sure do. And earlier I mentioned whiskey and uh, the old <laughs> club sign, a uh, club call sign that we used to operate under was um, VE3 Oscar Whiskey, <laughs> or old whiskey as we used to say when we were on the air. But um, <laughs> this year I operated um, kind of solo. Uh, I think I mentioned that I was working. Um, on uh, battery power, but also um, QRP. So my class for uh, for that was uh, one Bravo, and uh, I'm in the Ontario South ARRL section. And uh, yeah, it was pretty uh, it was pretty fun. Oh my God! Here is an NFED. Random wire, or so, sorry, random length wire, and it uh, goes up to the top there. And I've got it coming all the way down. And just bear with me. Okay, it comes down all the way down here, and it's pretty hard to see, but basically, 
it runs into this 9 to 1 bellin here and it's connected to my ground clamp so you can see the ground clamp is is in the ground obviously there's a short length of ground wire connecting to the ground terminal and the top terminal there or the wing nut you see there is connected to 53 feet of 18 gauge wire which goes all the way over to that little shack or that little kids playhouse there um, and it's tied off uh, with some insulated um, well I don't know if you can see the insulator there or not I've got the sun shining right in my eyes at the moment and then it goes and it's tied off on the rail there at the uh, kids playhouse Now on the charging side of things, I've got a 30, 30 watt solar panel. It's connected to this, I don't know if you can see it in there. Let's get a close up. You can see there's a, a solar charge controller there. And currently, let's see what it's doing. I don't think it's charging the battery. Oh, it is charging the battery, look at that. So it's calling for charge the, the, in that little box. I'll open it up in a second there. It's connected to a 8 amp hour lithium iron phosphate battery. And then there's this long wire here. It goes all the way to the radio. This is just a little plastic ammo box that I picked up at one of the surplus stores locally. And if I open the lid here, you can see that I've connected two banana jacks, or five-way binding posts, I should say. And this is just a little protective cover. Uh, that I printed on my 3D printer and you can see it's a, uh, a LifePo 4 lithium iron phosphate battery and it's uh, it'll deliver uh, 12 volts at 8 amp hours is the capacity so uh, 50, or 96 watt hours I guess it is okay we've got the uh, 6100 actually it's uh, it's charging you can see in the upper right hand corner there it's being currently supplied with 13.2 volts from the solar panel and slash battery area. Now it's coming directly from the solar panel. And you can see the little lightning bolt there. Um, that's indicating that it's charging the internal uh, lithium battery that's built into the radio. So um, I'm also charging the, well, actually it's not charging right now. When we looked at the uh, solar charge controller earlier here, um, well, actually, it was charging the battery. So that 8 amp hour uh, lithium ion phosphate battery you saw there is being charged by the sl that 30, 30 watt solar panel as well. So um, should have all kinds of power for uh, after the sun goes down. That uh, wire on the left is the RG Mini 8 coax for the antenna. That's connected to that 53 foot uh, random wire length. Uh, and fed into the 9 to 1 ballon and the wire on the right that you see that's kind of got a clear jacket on there is uh, is the, the uh, 12 volt or the 13.6 volts coming back from the charge controller and powers this little guy that I'm using for field day this year it's a little X6100 and I've got my trusty Panasonic CF19 Topbook uh, running the uh, N1MM software and uh, of course today it's 90 degrees Fahrenheit 
or it may even be hotter than that and there's not much of a breeze so I've got a fan going in the background and of course I've got iced tea to keep me hydrated. Uh, that little orange box um, is a Pelican 1200 case and it will house the 6100 microphone and a few accessories. Van conditions aren't great, but uh, we have managed to make a few contacts so far. Victor Alpha 3 Echo Yankee, you are one Bravo, one Bravo, Oscar November Sierra, QSL? QSL, one Bravo, Oscar November Sierra, please copy one Alpha Mike Bravo, one Alpha Manitoba, over. Uh, thank you very much, and a good signal in Ontario. Roger, Roger, please copy. One Bravo, one Bravo, Ontario South, Oscar, November, Sierra, QSL. Victor Alpha 3, Echo Yankee. Victor Alpha 3, Echo Yankee. Uh, QSL, one Bravo, one Bravo, Oscar, November, Sierra, QSL. Oscar, November, Sierra. Ontario South, Ontario South. I got it that time, brother. Thanks, 7-3, it's tough of 5 watts. Yeah, please copy. 4 Alpha, Golf Alpha. 4 Alpha, Golf Alpha. Uh, QSL got it, 7-3, and thanks for your patience. 73. Later in the evening, when 20 meters closed down, I had to try my luck on 80 meters. It was my first time operating QRP, and although I didn't make loads of contacts, it was a lot of fun. I was so impressed with my 53-foot end-fed random wire length antenna that I'm going to swap it out for, well, double the size basically. The one I have currently is 53 feet, and I'm going to replace it with 123 and a half feet of wire. I bought this uh, two by two, eight foot long, pressure treated piece of lumber. And I don't know if we can see that. I've pre-drilled and installed a couple of lag bolts that I'm gonna use to fasten it with. And on the other end is a insulator electrical insulator and you can find those at uh, swap shops so I'm going to be fastening it with uh, the Dacron cord and it's eighth of an inch in diameter which is plenty for a wire antenna you can see that I've got the uh, post with the insulator on top and I've got a leg screwed into the railing on the deck of this playhouse. I've got to buy another rope cleat. It's very easy for me to tie up and undo or if I need to retension a line I can do it very easily by using the rope cleat and if I ever have to take them down for servicing that's another uh, bonus. Don't have to untie any knots. I had a lot of fun operating field day this year. It was my first QRP experience and the first time constructing and using an NFED antenna. 7-3 from VE3MIC. Looks like you did have some fun up there. Oh, yeah.
I did. I'll uh, I'll put a link in the in the show notes. Uh, there's a there's a site. One of the Bellin manufacturers, uh, I think they're in Texas, uh, has a document that uh, I guess they've uh, swept various lengths of of uh, cable, or they've they've uh, either that or they've um, modeled it somehow, um, and they have recommended lengths, even though it's a random wire length antenna. They have lengths of wire that actually work for all the common band, uh, common HF bands, and they recommend you use those specific lengths if you want to operate, like if you want to operate as a multi-band antenna. So, um, so I'll put the link in there. Some ra- random lengths are better than the others. Is that some are less <laughs> random than others? <laughs> that's <Yeah>. right. Okay. <laughs> well, cool. That's good information, though. I mean, it, it, you know, anything helps. I- I wasn't expecting a lot, and especially running only five watts. Um, and I'll say this much: I don't recommend uh, running QRP in a contest. But um, like, if you want to win, uh, don't run QRP because even even getting those uh, five times multiplier, it should be like a twenty times multiplier if you're only running five watts. But, yeah. Um, Do you have a good time? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And you I'll won. tell you something. Um, the digital noise filtering, I had it on because otherwise the band was so crowded. It was almost a miracle that I was able to work uh, some of these stations. Um, there was even a point at some time, I think it was in the middle of the afternoon on 20 meters, where um, I was hearing this Kilo Papa 4 station from Puerto Rico just booming in. And, of course, I didn't stand a chance in a pileup with all the other stations. It, it, it's like they were trying to work him as DX. So I never, I never did make the contact, but it was still a lot of fun listening, um, cool, and working the contacts that I did make. Yeah, cool. that's a nice solar power barbecue grill you had there too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you ought to commandeer that playhouse from your daughter. She probably don't use it much anymore. Make you a nice outside ham shack out of that. Well. You know what? I thought of uh, maybe putting a big tower in the back and then remoting from there, but I um, uh, wasn't calm compliant when I started doing the math. Uh, so, yeah. As it happened. You know, <laughs> what what happens in Canada stays in Canada as far as <laughs> email knowing about it. We won't tell him. If, uh, yeah, that's that's yeah. true. I mean, I I could certainly get away with that being as far away from Manila as I am. It costs yeah. him too much to go up there and do an inspection. Oh yeah, he would he would never pay for the gas to drive up here. <laughs> never. Yeah. Wow. I'd have to take John with me. So that that was pretty cool though, Mike. Uh, looks like you had some good signals coming into you with that antenna set up, man. I was I was really surprised running that NFED antenna. Um, I really was. I did a little experiment um, in the middle of the night when the bands uh, were kind of dead. Uh, the only thing that was really open was 80. 40 wasn't really all that great. So I decided that I would temporarily switch over to the uh, 80 meter, or it, it, you know, basically it's cut for 80 meters, um, but it's my off center fed dipole. That's uh, 95 feet on one end and 45 on the other. And I really didn't note any uh, difference in the signal strengths that I was listening to. So I got to figure that NFED antenna is working pretty 
pretty well. Either that or my offset or fed dot pole doesn't work all that great. <laughs> I need to uh, I need to do a, either a segment on it or, or or at least sweep it with my antenna analyzer just to see how resonant it is on the bands. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this, but oh, the uh, silicon, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not either, huh? <laughs> Pair of Skype solar cell i think it's pronounced yeah tell us about this well before everyone gets too excited um it's the first low cost easily manufactured solar cell to break the 30 percent efficiency barrier and before everybody gets too excited uh does anybody want to take a guess at how much more efficient it is over the conventional cells um 30.1 uh, pretty, uh, pretty close. Thirty-one point two five percent. Oh wow! But considering the um, most uh, commercial solar cells are only twenty-seven percent efficient, then I suppose if you have a, an array of them, then it adds up pretty quickly. So it's definitely in the early stages, but up until this point, it's been too cost prohibitive to uh, to manufacture them in that style. And I, from what I understand, looking at it, you can kind of understand that what I'm about to tell you kind of makes sense. So the way I understand it is kind of like a two-in-one solar cell. So it's got part of the solar cell that's uh, responsive or able to convert at a specific wavelength. And the other part of the solar cell is able to, uh, I guess, uh, convert energy from uh, infrared or near-infrared uh, energy from the sun, which I guess uh, traditional solar cells don't. So that's where the ed- added efficiency comes from. We need some type of cell, email, that's not necessarily depending on uh, solar alone, since they can only get, what, 27% on most of those today. We need one that just works on sheer heat. And I think we can get <laughs> the humidity. Yes, heat and humidity. We could get the efficiency way oh, up. Yeah, I tell you what, would we, man? We would, we would, we would have something there, George. Yeah. Apparently, they've done something like that. Apparently, there's some kind of way they're generating power by taking moisture out of the air, and that would be perfect down there in Louisiana, I think. Oh, here too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so thick outside right now; it's just miserable to walk out there. Yeah. Wow. As a matter of fact. You, your gas mileage goes down here. It's yep. so thick, yeah. Uh, well, actually, I don't know. We're supposed to get warmer on the weekend uh, tomorrow, but um, it's been nice for, I would say, last, well, ever since field day. Field day was our kind of our uh, heat wave that went through here. And it's been, I don't know, about uh, mid-70s to low 80s during uh, the day, and it gets down to about 68 66 degrees at night. I don't night. even want to hear that. Yeah. I don't even want to hear you that. You know, those Canadian cold waves that y'all send down here in the winter, now would be a perfect time to send one down. <laughs> yeah, bring it. Yeah, it's too bad we can't get the polar vortex to happen in the summer months. Yeah, yeah. July and August would be perfect for that. Yeah. Yep. Well, we're going to be back in just a moment. Would you like a good, quick way to erect your portable antennas at the next ham radio outing? then check out the MFJ1914 Lightweight Antenna Support System. The MFJ1914 is a stainless steel antenna mass mount system 
and it comes complete with four 15-inch heavy-duty tapered galvanized stakes with outer pins for secure ground mounting of your favorite MFJ telescopic mast. It includes two sturdy U-bolts that will hold up to two and a quarter inch outer diameter mast. Telescopic mast and portable operations are more popular than ever, and the MFJ1914 will help you get your antennas up in the field quickly, easily, and safely. Assembly takes only a few minutes with a Phillips head screwdriver and a wrench. When you're ready to deploy your antennas, just place the MFJ1914 mount system on the ground and use a hammer to drive the four tapered stakes into the ground for a sturdy, secure mast mounting base. Attach your mast and antennas, telescope your mast, and get on the air from almost anywhere. And depending upon your mast, antenna choices, conditions, and location, guying may not be required. When you're ready to enjoy the next soda, POTA, IOTA, field day, or any outdoor radio operating event, take along your MFJ telescopic mast and MFJ 1914 stainless steel antenna mast mount system and get on the air. And it's perfect for your backyard or MCOM uses too. MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at MFJenterprises.com. A field day update. It's uh, Sunday morning. About 10.30, we got up uh, fairly early, started uh, making some contacts. Bands have been pretty good for the most part. Uh, it's been a productive day. We've been running off of battery power for, both of us have actually. Uh, George brought his batteries, and I brought my big one and the small battery, and we've been running off of that the whole time, so we haven't used any mains power. We do have some backup power. we got a generator behind me right here, so... If we do run out of batteries, we do have something to fall back on. And, uh, yeah. I think we'll be okay as far as power goes. <laughs> you got to keep an eye on that guy. Yeah. Well, it needed testing. So. And it was a perfect time. And it's, it's a lot louder than it appeared there. Is that uh, yeah. generator uh, got the Ford V10 in it? Uh, yes, it does. Yep. It makes a lot of noise. We, When we install the uh, generator, I, I don't know what ours is rated at. It might not be the same, but I think it's like 40 or 48 kilowatts. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had to buy some kind of optional insulating package to get the noise down to an acceptable limit to meet the city bylaws or something, but um, because it's located within the city limits. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess you're, you being offsite, you probably don't have to worry about that, right? No, you don't have to worry about that there. Although that generator does have it inside the cabinet, all the doors, the whole cabinet is lined with uh, about a inch thick insulation all the way around and it. Yeah. It does really quieten it down. It was loud, but it wasn't as loud as I thought it would have been. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you would think 100 KW would make a lot more noise than that. And 100 KW diesel of a different brand, yeah, really, really does make a lot of noise. Well, let's see where we're at. Well, luckily, we didn't have to fire it up to run the rigs. True. 
Yeah. That would have been overkill to run a 100 kW worth of generator for your 10-watt QRP signal. <laughs> hey, whatever you got to do, man. Yep. So email. I know you're the slacker this month, but I know you did field day last month, and just maybe, I don't want to push it now, but just maybe you brought back a little something from that to share with the audience tonight. Just a little bit. I didn't want to overdo it and and have the uh, the slacker uh, title taken away too much. So I just have a few pictures here to share with the group. And uh, let's see what we got here. We were operating Whiskey 5 Sierra Lima Alpha, three Frackstrat Lima Alpha, because the club maintains an emergency communication center. Plus, we man some of the EOCs, the parish and the uh, city. So here is the ECC building there where we were getting the uh, back station ready during a net uh, the night prior. We, we run a 10-meter net. And uh, there's my uh, canine there. Not licensed, but still knows how to operate or how to uh, support the staff a little bit. And uh, he can be a ham. In fact, on command, he pretty much has a good ham face here. Yes. And, uh, you know, he really <laughs> he really supports that uh, being a ham. So got to hand it to him, uh, Finn. Other than that, we have an HF station back here. You can see with the older digital interface up there, primarily operate. This back room that these things are in, primarily for voice in the in the comms room in the ECC. So uh, we use this one here to uh, talk people into the site trying to get to us, uh, even though you know we don't make contacts or we don't log these contacts, of course, because it's through a local repeater. But we, we help people get to us, figure out where we are. Did you bring your other dogs? No. And they got a hold of that mic cable? No, no, that's that's just due to uh, good use and age. The other dogs were not invited because they would have been a lot more chewed than just that. Okay. <laughs> good catch there. There's actually three HF stations in the back on three different setups and antennas, so uh, just showing you a few of those. And, of course, the rotator for the antenna you're going to see a little bit later, some power supplies. And here we go. This is uh, MFJ's antenna that Glenn and I have been using for years. In winter field days and in field days, it just works. <laughs> and it's, it's durable. We've, uh, we've had some horses knock it over, and we knocked it over, and the winds knocked it over. You know, all kind of things, and uh, it just keeps on kicking. So we've had it for years, and that's Glenn's uh, KG5CEN. I believe he's in the chat room tonight. Portable HF antenna. In this case, it was hooked up to... Uh, one of my stations. And this is MFJ's 1919EX mast. At the top of it, there is a uh, B-squared engineering dual-band J-pole. And that is a very sturdy and stout, quick, erect thing there from MFJ. So it's always good to have that. There's the club's beam as well as VHF, UHF other beam on top of it that we use at that station, the ECC. And of course, we had to run the coaxes through all the antennas that were actually in the field. We weren't in the field this year. Thank goodness for that. The antennas were. And, and here is the club's trusty seven tree. This is the seven tree. Seven. You got that? Seven tree? Seven tree. Oh. <laughs> oh. Anyway, uh, a few more antennas here. This is the one we use to help people in and talk in with. And just another shot there. there if you can see, there's a, a wire also hanging off of a piece coming off the tower. That's what we use on 40 meters. 
because the beam is for some of the upper bands. And they they did have some contacts being made. There's the 40-meter rig in action. We were getting ready. This one we were using on the higher bands with the beam. There's our uh, digital. This is my digital station that we had in the front that we were using primarily for Winlink contacts through packet, through HF, whatever we could. That was what was hooked to Glenn's antenna out in the field as well as the uh, VHF, UHF, because that's pretty much a shack-in-a-box radio there. And we did make quite a few uh, or send out quite a few emails and got responses from most of them. So good stuff. There's Glenn's hotspot that he had. Uh, we didn't we didn't actually get to use it all too much because our DMR uh, system was uh, out, of, out of whack on the uh, VHF repeater, but he did have it with us. And one of his pies, I believe, there. And then the weather started getting a little bit dicey, George. Oh, it, as as one of our uh, leaders in the club in Elmer's uh, WB5CXJ, Ron Riviere says, uh, you know, it wouldn't be a field day without thunderstorms. Yeah. <laughs> I don't that- know how your uh, field days have been over the years, but that was definitely the case in our case. Uh, that's usually the case with us. This year, somehow we missed it. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't rain until I got home and yeah. I got unloaded and went in the house, and the bottom fell out. Yeah, well, the bottom fell out about the time I got home, and it was time to unload the truck. You know, a lot of hams are storm spotters as well. We all go mm-hmm. to some of the weather training, and there were some interesting formations happening and some rotations that were happening when we were there, and we we were looking at them pretty close. Does that audio come through by any chance? No. Okay. We can imagine, so, though. Why don't you, Mike? Let me uh, zoom in over here. I think there was somewhat of a lightning uh, event happening at one point, which kind of ran us inside. And disconnecting I saw lightning all the flash. Antennas. There it goes again. There's another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I caught some of it on uh, tape. There it there goes. There it goes. So anyway, that's the uh, that's the gist of that. Um, we had we had a good time. We had a lot of people come through the actual club uh, house, and um, we actually also hosted a testing session that kind of got thrown out of the the place they were due to some scheduling issues or something. But uh, our club tested some new hams. We had uh, plenty of people coming through wondering what pack it was and what HF voice was and I'm pretty sure, George, we got some people totally addicted to HF at our field day. So to me, that's what it's all about rather than a contest. You know, that can happen. For those that have only been on VHF, and when they come around a bunch of people operating HF rigs, it's like a completely different experience. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody needs to try it for sure. Yep. Great times. Good times. Does. And the interesting thing is, too, a lot of people don't realize if you don't if you don't have your license, it doesn't matter as long as the licensed amateur is in control of the station. Yeah. In fact, uh, before I was licensed, I operated field day, and I I stayed up for the whole thing. I was so uh, so stoked about it, and I think I slept for fourteen hours after afterwards <laughs> when I got home. It's it's a fun event. That's all I can say about mm. it. We'd like to do it every year. No doubt. Uh, We'd have missed, I don't know, maybe one or two. One of these years I want to do Winterfield Day. Yeah, that's the same weekend as the Hamfest here. Yeah. 
So that always kind of messes us up. But yeah, I do one one year. I wish we had a spring or a fall field day. That would be yeah much more suitable. Because we, we even even up here we've had uh, really warm weather. Like it was warm, but the humidity wasn't so bad. I I mean you got by with a fan, or at least I did anyway. Um, but I I can remember uh, the odd year where it's been. You know, in the mid '90s. In fact, I was down and back in my old stomping grounds, and I think it was, oh, what is uh, 96 degrees Celsius, whatever that is in Fahrenheit. It was 96 Celsius, which was a heat wave record. The wind was unbelievable. There was a constant wind. It was like sitting in front of a hair dryer 24/7. It was uh, crazy. But, um, 96 yeah, Celsius I, is like 200 degrees. That's what I was thinking. 230. Because water boils at 100 Celsius. 204.8. I'm surprised you survived. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say it was 104? 204. Like that. Yeah. It was Two. a really freakish weather, but it was uh, <laughs> years ago. I don't think you heard your email. <laughs> 204. <laughs> yeah, water boils at 100 Celsius, which would be 212 Fahrenheit. No, no, no. Uh, 96 Celsius? Yeah. So I think Mill's got it right. It was about 104 Fahrenheit. Two, 200. 200. What? 96 <laughs> Celsius is like 200 degrees Fahrenheit. Yep. Roughly. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, I'm wrong. <laughs> I guess I guess I've been hoping. in the sun too long. It was, like, it was 90, 96 Fahrenheit is what it was, you, not 96 okay. Celsius. If you were, if you were out there in 96 Celsius, you got an excuse, man. Don't worry about yeah. it. That was you like <laughs> the apocalyptic field day. <laughs> the sky right. was red. That was the field day to end all field days. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wow. Sorry about that, folks. That's what happens, you know, when you grow up with Imperial and then you get switched over to metric when you're in the first grade or something. And I never did. And and for a while there, we were all metric up here in Canada. We still got a lot more to go. Well, we want to take a quick break here, get a message from ICOM, and turn on the air conditioner here for like just a couple of minutes. We'll be right back. Keep your competitive contesting edge with ICOM. ICOM's high-powered base stations cut through pileups, letting you work the bands and record those contacts. Contest from the comfort of your home or remotely with the RSBA1 app. Heard it, worked it, logged it. The IC7300 is a high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design that will far exceed your expectations. This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various receiver stages, reducing inherent noise in different IF stages. The IC7300 changed the way entry-level HF is designed. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. The real HF fun starts here. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. This transceiver brings direct sampling to the UHF-VHF weak signal world. 
This all-mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you busy. Faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. 4.3-inch color touchscreen TFT LCD, real-time high-speed spectrum scope, and waterfall display. Smooth satellite operation with 99 satellite channels, dual-watch operation, and full-duplex operation in satellite mode. ICOM's IC7610 is the SDR every ham wants. This high-performance SDR can pick out faint signals in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The ICOM 7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio that has changed the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. RF Direct Sampling System, 110 RMDR, Independent Dual Receiver, Dual Digicell, ICOM's IC7851 gives you a new window into the RF world and is HF excellence unparalleled with faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. It's truly the pinnacle of HF perfection. Dual receivers, digital IF filters, memory keyer, digital voice recorder, high-resolution spectrum waterfall display, enhanced PC connectivity, and SD memory card slot. Learn more about all these great ICOM radios at icomamerica.com slash amateur. I was just looking at some of the comments in the chat room on the temperature there, Mike. (laughs) So was I. (laughs) Spike said... Maybe maybe we should record me doing a a facepalm because (laughs) (laughs) I deserve that one. I um, totally gaffed on the the metric imperial. So, what did I use for a station this year at Field Day? It's funny you ask. What's, what did you use this year, George? I just happened to have a little video here. Well, the end of Field Day snuck up on us, so it's time for the gear roundup. Tell us what you're using this year, George. This year, I've got a pretty similar setup as I've had for the past several years. Um, most of the stuff is the same. Start over here on the right-hand side, I've got my Toshiba satellite laptop. On it, I've got some software loaded. Uh, Mainly, uh, well, I've got Skype in the background because we've been chatting with email and Mike on the side there. I'm running the N1MM software. We use that for several years now. On Amanda's recommendation, it's been excellent. So we really like using it. Uh, And that's what we did our logging on. Got myself and Tommy both logged in. And then I've got SDR Play, RSP Uno software. And that's because I'm using my IC7000. This is actually my second one. I've still got one in my vehicle. But uh, this is one I bought at a ham fest about three years back, used, uh, since I like the 7000 so much. This is the first real workout it's had, and it worked flawlessly throughout the event. So uh, glad to have that and didn't have to pull the rig out of my mobile. Right here next to it, I've got some curiously strong audio switching here. This is a headphone switch where I can switch to listening between the IC7000 or the SDR software. I normally 
just stuck with the 7000 because it's a little more intelligible uh, and easier to understand on most things. Some things actually sounded better on the SDR play, just depending on the band conditions and you know what noise was around. Uh, but I mostly stuck with the rig since there was no delay. And over here, you know, you got like a second of delay, which could be a little irritating. Um, how ProSet 3 headsets that I've used for a number of years now. An LDG Z100 auto tuner that I've had, oh, I don't know, for a long time. Uh, I've got a cable, so my rig automatically tunes it when I hit the tune button here. Um, of course, the microphone. Uh, power supply. Now, you notice it's drawing zero amps. That's because I'm not running the radio off of that power supply. The only thing that's running off this power supply is this little box right here. And this is an MFJ1708B SDR. That's a transceiver and software-defined radio switch. We showed it to you a few years ago. I used it again this year, and it really, it, it really helps out. Because uh, if you don't have a band scope on your rig, I can use my RSP Duo or, or any SDR Play or any software-defined radio for that matter got the software on the screen so I have a band scope and I can see where the signals are and just click on them and it tunes the radio this kind of glues it all together because I've got a single antenna comes in and it has a splitter so it feeds both receivers at the same time when you key the radio I have a, a curiously strong audio interface back here on the back of the rig all I'm doing with it is I've got an amp key line out of it like you key your linear with and that runs over to the switch here so that, uh, although this has RF sensing in it, so you wouldn't have to tie that line, but, you know, it's safer and, and better if the rig tells this thing that uh, we're transmitting. It switches the SDR off so it doesn't overload it. And that's how that works. This is uh, MFJ4422 volt and current meter. I use that with the battery and right now the rig is hooked to Tommy's battery down here which we saw on a previous episode of Amateur Logic. It has worked great. He used it all day yesterday, Saturday, and it never got off 100% on his rig. And today I'm using it. I ran down my uh, 1800 milliamp and uh, two seven milliamp per hour uh, batteries and uh, he he swapped out let me use this and he had another good cell over here he'll show you in just a moment that's my setup so I operated on batteries and we had emergency power out here and the one final thing if you were paying attention here you might notice I've got ferrite beads one or more on just about every wire here. And that's because I was, uh, even on the antenna lead down there, I was getting uh, some problems. When I'd key up or tune the rig, the SDR Uno software 
would throw up a warning and say, surprise, the USB device was disconnected. So RF was getting back in and somehow disconnecting it or making the laptop think that it had been disconnected. And then I have to restart software over. So by a combination of adding all these beads on everything I could think of here and moving the coaxes around, I finally got that solved. So overall, um, everything worked great. My antenna was not as good as I had hoped it would be or as multi-band uh, purposed as I thought it would be. And I had used it in previous years, so I could not have used it without a tuner because it wasn't resonant on any ham band for some reason. It's a W5GI mystery antenna, which is supposed to be a good antenna. A friend of mine gave it to me several years ago, and we've used it at field day before. Uh, the way we hung it this year, I don't know. That could have been it. Just didn't tune. So that's my setup. George, in, in general, you know, that was a curiously strong station. Well, it was. <laughs> um, times two, Emil. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, yeah Those it, are handy little boxes. They are. They are. And this is almost the same gear setup that I use. I don't know, last time I used that was in the tent, so that would have been a few years back. But uh, it, it works great, you know. The I like the IC7000. I had it, or uh, two of them, actually. But it doesn't have that waterfall display like, uh, you know, the newer rigs do. And having that really, really helps out. Email, you had an actual, maybe this is a new... A new record here, an actual email this time around, didn't you? I did email, had an E, I mean, email, <laughs> had an email. Man, that's just confusing. That is, uh, yeah. Give me a sec. Okay. So, yeah, I got an email, a curiously strong email from, uh, I'm just going to say Bill, W8LV here. He was asking me a question about, uh, it's kind of right up the cheap old alley here. He, he really wanted to see some cheap old ham who was accountantly inclined. I don't know where he's, what he's talking about or maybe who he's talking about there. To devise a spreadsheet of, uh, to see how power and antenna efficiency uh, using radials versus uh, other forms of throwing your signal out there actually works. And you know, when we were at the hamvention I got. I picked up the uh, Wolf River coil, and I know, in the instructions at least, that you're supposed to put down some radios if you're not mobile. You know, the bed of my truck that worked pretty good, or okay. And I'm pretty sure I want to try to set it up out in the backyard and see what difference that makes there. So I like where Bill was going with that. Uh, you know, someone accountantly challenged seeing what the differences really are when you have some good radial or ground radials. Um, for signal efficiency. So I'm going to have to check that out. So thanks and shout out to Bill W8LV over in Ohio. I meant to make this announcement a little earlier, but now it just seems like an appropriate time. Email just received a promotion that uh, probably most of you did. He didn't even know about it himself. He has been known as our cost compliance officer for all this time. He was just promoted to chief financial terrorist. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> or wait a minute, chief financial economist. That's okay. Oh, same thing. Okay. So, uh, so we we're going to need some inflation on this show. Yeah. Congrats, Emil. You're Thank the CFO. You. <laughs> on with the show here. Next up, let's find out what Tommy was running this year. Show us yours, Tommy. <laughs> okay, that sounds like a setup. But like you, I'm using the N1MM software, the counterpart to yours. It was so easy to set up, basically installed it, put in our station information, and it found the other node on the network and, and started logging together, so it worked great. Uh, the other software, actually, I'm not using any other software on there other than uh, Skype, but I'm using my IC705 this year. Uh, George was a little concerned because I was only going to have 10 watts, but it's worked out well. I got almost as many contacts as he did, and uh, I, I can't complain. It was awesome. The, having the waterfall on here was a huge benefit. Um, made plenty of contacts. Got the AH705 tuner hooked up to the antenna outside, and we're using the, for my antenna, I'm using the um, MFJ cobweb that you've seen on here before. Um, worked fantastic. It's uh, 20 through 10 meters, I believe, but I was actually able to tune some of the other bands with it as well, but I got primarily my contacts were on 20 and 15. Uh, I got my little U-Kits uh, tuner here I got from MFJ. Things pretty awesome. I used it to check the antenna out before I got started, but I haven't really had to use it afterwards. Uh, as George mentioned, I let him use my 50-amp battery that I made, and I got the 8-amp uh, Miati. I don't know how you pronounce it. I probably butchered that, but it's a 8-amp uh, LiPo battery, LiPo battery. And I've used it all day today, and it's still got plenty of charge left in it. I could probably work field day off of this. Uh, as George mentioned, I had the 50-amp the hooked up to the 705 all day yesterday, that battery holds a little bit more than 50 amp hours, and I never got it. I get more than that out of it, so I never got down to 50, so it read 100% this morning when I let George use it. So this thing really sips the the power. Uh, it's black magic. I don't know how it does it, but uh, it basically runs on almost nothing. Uh, so I keep this one in my bag. I've got the bag here. My little backpack for my 705. I keep it in there with it to primarily to use that. Uh, I don't want to talk about my headphones. I left my good Heil headphones at home, and this is a pair of junk Sony ones I had under the seat of my truck I keep in there for when I forget to bring the good ones. And we got these filters. I think we got these from DX Engineering or something a while back. Uh, back when we were all working out of the tent, the antennas were pretty close, and we had a lot of problems interfering with one another. Uh, but I actually didn't use one this year, and we've got one for 7 megahertz, 14, and 21. And uh, George used it for a while. He took it off and found that I wasn't having any problems with him. He wasn't having any with me, so we didn't use them this time. But we did bring them just in case. It's good to have. I think that's pretty much it for this year. My setup's pretty much totally different than before, so it worked out well. Uh, the 10 watts with the 705. It, it wasn't a problem at all. It actually worked really great. So it was a good time. And I got to say, I, when Tommy told me he was going to be using his IC705 on field day, 
I'm thinking, no, this is not, he's not going to get any contacts this year with all the pileups that are on the stations on field day. I don't know how he's, how he'll get hardly any contacts, but he actually did a heap better than I would have thought. Yeah, it worked really well. I'm, I'm happy with it. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It, um, very impressive. Between that and the antenna I had hooked up to, work, it was a good combination. Yeah. Well, I was pretty much operating on a dummy load. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to use something different next time. The W5GI was, there wasn't enough distance between the tower and the tree. And so one leg of the uh, antenna was like, come to the tree and then came the straight down. It's just, so it wasn't all... All out flat. I don't think I even asked you, how much power did you run? Do you run 100 watts the whole time? I ran 100 watts, but I had a 10 to 1 VSWR on that antenna, so I don't know. It did work on all bands with the aid of the tuner. So, uh, yeah. You know, you know, George, speaking of contacts that y'all made, I'm, I'm looking at my logs here that... Uh, I have, and I'm noticing a W5AXC on the log. Hmm. Um, that sort of sound familiar, and I also see a WE0FUN on here too. So, what what, it, what antenna were, did uh, did we hook up on? Uh, the dummy load. Yes, on the mystery <laughs> antenna. It's a mystery that it got out at all, uh, <laughs> but it did. It did. That was a good contact. You sounded good over here. Well, you sounded good here, too. I don't know. What band was that on? 20 or, yeah, this, 40. This was, yeah, it was 40 meters. That's right. Yeah. 7.133 on, uh, yep, lower side. Yeah. Pretty much everything I did was on 40, and Tommy was, what, on 20? 20 and 15. 20 and 15. So, uh, yeah, I've forgotten how many points we had. When you do all the ciphering in the... Bonus points and all of that, it sounded like a lot more than it actually was. So we'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the extra points for running battery and uh, mm-hmm. help, too. And that's why I pointed out that power supply that was reading zero amps. That that wasn't running the, the transmitter. So I was on battery. Just there for backup in case the batteries didn't make it. What did I say? I was... I've forgotten what I said I was running off of it, but it was not a. It was not part uh, of the transmitter. The little uh, <clears throat> MFJ switch. The antenna switch. Yeah. I, th- I think I caught uh, Jeff and Amanda's club up there too. Another operator, not not Jeff or Amanda, on eighty meters digital. So I did see it in the logs, and I had to jump over on Facebook and let them know, "Hey, we got you again this year. It's the uh, second time we did that." Yep. All right. Two final videos to go tonight. One of them is going to be, um, we pretty much took the video of the antenna being raised and reversed it. No, well, <laughs> not, not exactly. exactly. Not exactly. Not all of the process is almost yeah. like that. But before that, Ray Novak was here recently, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. And we were shooting uh, some video on a couple of new radios they're coming out with. And while he was here, we... We had a little visit and uh, cut a little something to talk about his field day and what's been going on in his world lately. Look who I found in my trunk. 
Oh, yeah, screaming and kicking. Let me out of this 100-degree weather in Mississippi. Oh, it has been hot, but I saw the temperature in Texas last night, and it was worse than it is here. Yeah, but we don't have the humidity you guys have, so it's really a dry heat. Feel free to take all you want back <laughs> with you. It was. It cooled off last night. Well, it did. And you would have known it had you had air conditioning. True. Uh, yeah, Ray was going to come over last night. We were going to play with some toys, shoot a little video, and I lost electricity about 3.30 in the afternoon when a thunderstorm moved through and didn't get it back till almost 10 o'clock. But I'm right down the road. Yep. In a hotel. Never lost power one bit. Yeah, it was just my neighborhood, you know, and I don't know. You were the lucky one. Yeah, that it doesn't happen often, but when it does, they make sure to really get your money's worth out of the outage. See, yeah. I was thinking that you might have been taking advice from a meal. You know, that cheap yeah. old ham? Oh, yeah. And, and skimped on paying the electric bill or something like that. Right. Well, yeah. Um, I did pull out my batteries and use them. This little fan we've got running down here, I took a... Uh, 12 volt lead acid and a power inverter in the house and ran that. Oh, very cool. And I was happy to see that after oh, running it for a couple of hours, I hadn't used much of the battery at all, so it would have been good for quite a while. Well, that's good, but yeah. there again, the body heat from everybody huddling around the single fan like everybody would have around a fire in the wintertime. Yeah. I mean, that might not have done much for the heat no it we made it through i'll say that by the time the ac came back on we were ready for it oh i could i could see that happening all right what's been going on and they've been keeping me busy since dayton yeah um just doing all three divisions is definitely keeping me hopping um no ham fests, really, other than field day. What was that? Last weekend? Was it last weekend? Or not this no, past weekend, weekend before. Weekend before last. Yeah. So, yeah, we had a had a fun time in the heat in Texas. We were a, a two alpha. We decided that maybe next year go to a one alpha if we do it again in that area. Set up different antennas, just had a good time. It was it was more because of some of the fun events that we've done in the past. I mean, we were reminiscing about doing Steam Locomotive Mobile. Hmm. Um we worked with a a park in Rusk, Texas that they had a railroad at that time. It's now underwater because they made a man-made water reservoir. But uh, most of the railway now is underwater. But they set us up in a caboose of one of the trains. So when they would make their route, we were uh, – that one wasn't a steam locomotive. That was just a a diesel electric. But we were um, railroad mobile Mm -hmm. and then operated field day also from the park there. So that was a real fun one. And and we've done quite a few other ones together 
over the past 20 something years. So we had a real good time just talking and we're not as young as we once were back in, I think the railroad was in 2008. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I can understand that. Uh, Tom, well, video here on the show tonight, but Tommy and I uh, operated this year. Wayne was out hiking, man. He was some mountain range somewhere hiking. Cool. I can't imagine this time of year, but I probably wasn't as hot there as it is here. Well, when you get higher in altitude, temperature does tend to drop a little bit. Well, it does. And this year we did a little different. We didn't try to air condition a tent. We just operated out of an air-conditioned transmitter building, and that really helped. Setting up the antennas was amazingly hot, and taking them down was amazingly hot. But when we were operating, that uh, we've never never operated like that before. I think I think we want to do that again. Now I might next year look at where can I go where others set up. I'll just bring a couple of radios. Yeah. Help eat all their food and things like that. A little easier, huh? Yeah. Yep. But I have a similar event coming up at the end of July up in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Weather That's should right. yeah. weather should be a little bit cooler in Oshkosh than what we saw for field day, but we'll be running a special event station for the Warbirds of America. Cool. And where can they get more information, like uh, if they want to somebody – possibly wants to operate that or sign up to i just email me directly if they're if they're there well there is a bit of a screening process um Mm -hmm. they'll they'll have to pay their own entryway into the event itself so if they're already attending it could be a fun thing to come operate we do have a schedule that we will be putting together um i've already got a few people that are eaa members that have already volunteered some time so that'll be fun and uh, i'm actually looking forward to getting on the air some myself okay sounds like a fun time i have never been there i assume you'll be seeing our old friend dan van evenhoven there yeah he usually shows up and and uh in the past i haven't had a a a golf cart to move around. My guys would bring one at night when they didn't use it for the aviation booth. But uh, now that I'm the boss, I, I get to use the cart during the day. <laughs> hey, it's got its benefits, I guess. It, it does. Um, and when we were at Sun and Fun back in April, I'm I'm talking to the guys and I'm like, you know what? I can just come into the booth couple hours in the afternoon take care of any issues oshkosh i'm going to be out in a out in a warbird area because it, to to me i mean just looking at all that history that actually flies yeah i've talked to guys that hey what what is that noise in the background and i i remove the Heil pro sevens because you really you really can't hear that ambient noise that the microphone's picking up you take them off and you look around, and I told one guy, uh, from the direction that that noise is coming from, it sounds like the P-51s are firing up to go do the Warbird Air Show. Wow. And when I say P-51s, they they have somewhere around 50 of them. 
That's pretty loud, I would think. It, it does. One ham I was talking to, he goes, tell me what you see around you. And I look up, and there's Fifi flying over, along with two B-25s, and just an incredible sight. I, I bet it is. You know, my father was an airplane mechanic in World War II with the Navy. And uh, he didn't talk about it a lot. I think they spent a lot of time repairing shot-up planes is, is kind of what he did. But uh, anyway, it's great that we still have a lot of those aircraft and others, you know, still around and, and at events like this where people can see them because it's it's history. And it's kind of amazing the technology that they had back during that time period. It, it still works today. Yeah, and it's it's not just the World War II aircraft. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've got some from the Vietnam era, the Korean War era. Um, one of our guest ops that comes in, he he was a uh, F one hundred four pilot. A um, couple of uh, major airline pilots that are with the Warbirds come and operate, and, and it's it's just a blast seeing all that aircraft flying around. Yeah. All right, Ray. Well, thanks for hanging around a few extra minutes so we could visit with everyone here on the show. And uh, any any messages you want to give to the audience out there? Maybe some uh, double secret probation type of stuff or, or anything. Uh, if you watch any of the videos that we post and you see my face looking all purple, you don't have to call it. It's... It's nothing more than footage for the blooper reels that George and I are laughing about. I don't see how George keeps mono, monochrome color, and I'm, I'm turning shades of red and purple over here laughing so hard about it. Yeah, we had a few moments there, and yeah, they'll, I don't know, Ray, those things may surface. I bet. I bet they do. I'm I'm fearing that it might show up in some type of Christmas album. I I'll need to talk with Mike. I'm sure something can be arranged. I bet there can be. <laughs> All right, Ray. Good to see you again, as always. All right, great to be on here, and uh, keep doing what you guys do. All right, I'll see you in Huntsville. Yes, sir. We'll be there, and well, it is July, so we're oh, we're almost a month away. Oh yeah. Yeah, close. Whew. Yeah. Time flies. And then September fills up with uh, W9DXCC and a couple of marine events. Mm-hmm. And then pretty much through December. Yeah. You'd never think that wintertime is when they have the boat shows. But you got Fort Lauderdale Boat Show in mm-hmm. November, I believe it is. Uh, work boat show in December down in New Orleans, and then the Miami boat show right after Orlando in February. Well, you surely wouldn't want to do all any of those right now, as hot as it is. That's true. Yeah. That is true, but yeah. that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Well, thanks for being here, Ray. All right, George. Thank you. Tommy missed you while we were shooting the video. I'm able to leave with all my radios. Great to visit with Ray. He did have two radios, Mike. And, and he left with them. <laughs> I've got to edit those videos now, so 
they can be posted, but yeah, he got away with them. It's a new, uh, I don't remember the model numbers, but it's a new uh, two-meter analog, 65-watt rig. Oh, nice. And a new dual-band handy-talkie analog that looked like a commercial radio. I mean, it's actually, um, their design was taken from one of their land mobile um, line of handy-talkies. So well, cool. Uh, anyway, forward to seeing those. Yeah, those videos will be out soon. I've got an email here. As long as no, I don't. Email. <laughs> I'm glad you were able to represent the email community this time around because I don't have one. What I've got is a Facebook post, and this came from our friend Jim Myrtle. And he said he picked up the Radio Dictionary of 1924 for a few bucks. It's in great shape for being nearly 100 years old. Oh, wow. Look at that. 1924. You got it for how much? And it's con-compliant. It's right. 25 25 cents. I think he paid a little more than that. I tried to do some searching online to find some information and I found where uh, somebody was trying to sell one for 50 bucks. That's a cool find. So the Evening World apparently was a newspaper that shut down years ago, but uh, they published this radio dictionary, I guess, at least one year. And let's see, we got one other photo of it here. It's some interesting terms that were in the dictionary back then that we, uh, some people may not be familiar with. Like a periodic, it's a circuit having no definite time period, one having sufficient high resistance to prevent natural oscillations. Any circuit having no tuning condenser or tuning inductor coil, the majority of single-circuit receivers are a periodic. I guess in 1924, that was an important thing when you were radio shopping. How's my audibility over there? Your audibility? Well, that's a measure of signal strength. At present, there is no standard unit of audibility, the ear being the sole judge of signal strength. You can't go by that S-meter. You've got to use your ear. That's what they're there for. Yep. (laughs) Look down there, bank winding. Does anybody know what a bank winding is? Well, it's a coil of magnet wire wound in layers, one on top of the other, these layers are not symmetrical, but are wound above one another in a staggered form. I think I've seen that before. Yeah. I don't know what it was used for, though. Well, I, I like to use random winding, Mike. On my <laughs> inductors, just start wrapping around, and whatever it ends up with is what you got. That's what, that's what you label it as. Yep. Oh, here's a here's a 100 microhenry inductor, yeah. or a hundred and 46 microhenries. <laughs> yeah. 146 microhenry random wound. There you conductor. go. Thanks for sharing that with us, Jim. Yeah, that's, a, that's a really cool find. That is. I would like to look further at that, and I was hoping I could find where somebody had scanned it online, but I couldn't. One final video for tonight.
That was nowhere near the end of that antenna. <laughs> we stayed out there for probably two more hours trying to fold that thing up and untangle it because somehow or another, probably me, I did, I've never taken I, it down I don't before, know. but it, somehow or another it got twisted and we had a heck of a time getting those wires and twisted yeah. to put it back up. It's not really a portable antenna, no. although if you're careful with it, obviously you can use it for that. Yeah. Join us at the end of the month. I believe uh, Dean Martin will be making an appearance along with Professor Thomas right here in these very seats for the next episode of Ham College. Don't know what the topic's going to be yet. It'll be from the amateur extra exam, though. We still got more learning to do. Some hard learning. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last last month wasn't too bad. So. I anyway. answered to Dean Martin so many times. I, I signed my checks like that. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could sign my deposit slips like that. Yeah. Well, or, like his. Or the back of the checks. There you go. Um, yeah. So hopefully we'll see some of y'all over in Huntsville this year. Everyone have a good rest of July and summer. We'll see you right back here on Amateur Logic. Middle of August. 7-3. Yep, 7-3, everybody. 7-3. What?